I love the way you play the piano. Welcome to Best Boys, the film podcast. An amateur film study podcast for the average Joe, the buffest buffs, and the cringiest bingers. And for three keys, I will perform a podcast with you with my brother, professional Hollywood videographer. Corey with a story. Welcome back, everybody, for another weird, wild, out there, but amazing episode of Best Boys. Welcome Uh, back, my brother. Yes, brother. (laughs) We will do a podcast together, brother. And it will be grand. And we are going to do it in the the 19th century. Um, No, actually, I, I thought that the... I thought that uh, both these movies were in the 19th century, but I think that's kind of a, a point of uh, the power of the dog. But yeah, we have a, a double feature, an emotional and dramatic and and a little strange double feature today, both by Jane Campion. We had to do a little diversion. We were initially going to do uh, Tragedy of Macbeth and uh, No Country for Old Men this week. But um, with everything going on with COVID and we just didn't want to send people to the theaters. And honestly, we did want to go to the theaters ourselves. So we're going to take a little break. And man, I've been hearing a lot about the this movie, The Power of the Dog. I think uh, Karsten Runquist, the YouTuber, the YouTuber, he had it like it's one of his favorite movies of uh, of last year. And I keep seeing it all over the place. And uh, I was like, man, I really would like to see that. But it didn't really you know, we didn't have space in our schedule. Um, but I was like, I really wanted to find movies on Netflix that we could, you know, every, our, our audience and, and us could easily access. And um, so, yeah, Power of the Dog, directed by Academy Award winner Jane Campion. Um, this is my first introduction. This is we were briefly speaking about this before. This is both our uh, first introductions to Jane Campion's work. Um, before this, she's most known for the piano. Uh, which we are going to do as well um, with The Power of the Dog. But um, she uh, she won an Oscar for Best Director for The Piano. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's and, wild. And The Palm d'Or. Wow. Um, yeah, that movie was, like, incredibly... That movie is incredibly lauded at, in its time. I don't think it gets as much uh, praise today. Um, like, but uh, uh, for some reason, but uh, it's fucking. I think it's it's still a, it holds up. We're gonna. I really want to talk about the piano, but I really also <laughs> want to talk about the power of the dog. Um, and uh, yeah, Riss, my partner, she's uh, familiar with. She she's seen the piano before, and she's familiar with Jane Campion's work. So she's really excited to to watch both of these with me. Um, yeah, what are your? Do you have no, no, no. History I, I, no, I never heard of either of these. Well, obviously the the Netflix one I had just like seen scrolling through Netflix, but didn't really think anything of it. And I've never heard of the piano before. I uh, I didn't really start like trying to watch a lot of movies up until a couple years ago. So I'm I'm catching up slowly but surely. <laughs> the um well, there's a line actually in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I believe, uh, where where they're talking about movies. 
Um, I don't remember what scene it is exactly, and Jay's talking and Simon Bob's pantomiming, and he's like, "You have fucking movies like The Piano, and then uh, in The Crying Game," and he, go, he, he goes like this, like he, go, he he makes like a teardrop on his face. Um, I don't remember what they were referencing, but I thought it was funny because Simon Bob, you know, like Silent Bob, uh, Holly Hunter's character of The Piano is silent. Is silent. Um, <laughs> Um, and that was probably a timely reference, you know, then. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we were kids, honestly, I always confused the piano with the penis. Um, the pianist. With which is supposed to also be an awesome movie that I really want to see. Um, hey, that's the Adrian Brody one, right? Yes, yes. Because he got didn't he? Get, he got nominated for an Oscar, and from what I have heard from you know friends and other people that are that know people, it was that after that movie, he just became like super up his own ass oh yeah he's a uh, huge asshole but he's good i think he's uh, especially we talked about it on french dispatch he is good but he's an mm. asshole. but all right all right let's talk about power of the dog and i feel like we're not hyping it up because honestly <gasps> it is not a lot of dogs in this movie to be honest there's one dog but uh it's not very much about dogs uh that's I'm okay. Taking in the power of the dog. Yeah, starring <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Co- uh, Cody Smith McPhee. Um, what What did you think about Power of the Dog? Uh, this movie is very awesome, very weird. Uh, I love the pacing, like the chapter style. It breaks up everything into it, makes it a lot more digestible. I feel, um, and it also helps with any kind of like sort of time skips. Um, First off, I got a little confused with the time skip in the middle. But uh, yeah, the only thing I, the only thing about this movie that is like a disservice is how bad some of the accents are for like okay. Benedict Cumberbatch does not do a great like Western. So, okay, okay, okay. So and neither Rich, does Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Jesse Plemons has like a, has like a permanent little drawl, but it's not exactly Southern and it can like sneak in. But yeah. so this is me and Riss talked about this for the first half of the movie maybe like the first third we were like there's so many subtle this movie has so many layers it's like a shrek it is like an onion narratively (laughs) it's not like this crazy deep 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 shit it's just Mm. like a very complex narrative disguised as a more simpler one Mm. and uh oh my god the is someone who really gets off on attention to detail this movie has that in spades. So these are one of this is one of the things that I did not get, and um, me and Riss pointed a couple things out to each other, and we were just blowing each other's minds as we were watching this. <laughs> so hype, hype, hype! Uh, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch's <laughs> accent is terrible, and I could yeah. not get over it. I was like, I can't get. I'm like, can't get past his accent. It's the so, first half hour of the movie takes you out of it almost. It's so bad. Like, yeah, I'm like, holy shit, I can't get past it. I'm fixated on this shitty accent. Everyone else is fine. Jesse Plemons, who's mainly in that first thir- man, that first act of the movie, you know, he's fine. He's doing Jesse Plemons shit. Um, Kirsten Dunst is actually great uh, in the movie. Oh, she's phenomenal. Period. I'm no really accent. glad that she's she had barely any accent. Um, <laughs> little accent. But here's the thing. Though it takes place in Montana, the characters are the the story largely revolves around these two brothers, Phil and George, um, played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons. And so we're initially we are shown that they run some kind of cattle business. They're cowboys, literal cowboys. 
Um, honestly, we're, it's not really obvious on what the date is, um, but then we get it told multiple times uh, that it is the 1920s, early 1920s. I think it fully set in for me when somebody did a flapper dance, and I was like, oh, shit, this is not, this is not cowboy times. Like, they're obviously cowboy, the mm. business of it is, is still exists to this day in various forms. So, I don't know. It, I thought that was interesting, the setting, first off. Then you have Benedict Cumberbatch. Huge asshole. Fucking huge asshole. This guy's got some shit going on. And he's using this accent. And I'm like, man, Benedict Cumberbatch sucks. Like, he is better than this. <laughs> and then we learn, as the story goes on, that they're rich. And like, they, that they're the owners of this big... It's not just, like, they're cattle pushers. They are the owners of this big-ass company. Then we find out that they are inherited the company. They are... are not made from nothing they you know were given this then at the dinner so um i'm skipping a lot of shit in terms of the the first act dealing with jesse plemons and kirsten dunst's relationship because it isn't a main it isn't actually a main part of the movie going forward it is like in the background to the conflict of it but the main thing becomes bennett cumberbatch uh, I don't want to pass it back to you, but I feel like I have to fully explain this to the audience and f now f maybe to you. Um, so then we have this dinner scene, right? And uh, Kirsten Dunst, is, we're really focused on the piano. As she's learning how to play piano. Funny that there's a piano thing in both these movies. Yeah, I thought uh, the same. And uh, she's got to learn how to play. She's She says she's all right at it and whatever. And she kind of is. A, and Jesse Plemons is hyping it up. That she's real good. And then as soon as the guests arrive, who's supposedly the governor of the state and their parents, who they're never referred to by mom and dad or by name, just old lady and the old gent, um, they show up and they start asking about where's Phil? Where's Benedict Cumberbatch? And there's like, oh, well, to be honest, uh, he, he, he doesn't take baths. So I told him he couldn't come. And uh, so that's when we're starting to learn that he's got some like weird you know, mental illness kind of shit, like with clean, with cleanliness. Um, I think we might've already got a scene by this point of him rub literally bathing in mud. Um, yeah. And they, when also when he castrates the one bull and someone's like, you're not wearing gloves. And yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. would I use them? I don't need them. He's gross. Um, he's kind of disgusting and he likes seems it. Rough. And then there's a line about, Oh, there's this really subtle line and you could have easily missed it. And and, uh, me, and me and Rissel almost did, and we were like, wait, did they just say what I think they just said? And the governor, or, or it's either the mom or the or the governor's wife, they ask about Phil, and they're like, oh, your brother, you know, didn't he, you know, he went to Yale and was in mm -hmm. Phi Beta Kappa and uh, and majored in this. And Phil's not a fucking idiot, rough and tumble cowboy. He's a rich, highly educated. Yale's in the Northeast. His accent yeah. sucks because he spent a large portion of his life in the high in a, in a highly educated academia in the Northeast. So the, the performance has such an attention to detail <laughs> that it is this. He's putting on this fake cowboy persona. He's using this affected accent, and some of it is probably from living in Montana. For I mean, you, you know better than anybody living in another mm. place for a certain amount of time, you pick up pieces of the dialect. Mm -hmm. um, Very easily. Hanging out for with our cousins from New York, uh, from Long Island when we were kids. We come home talking like them a little bit. Just little things. Yeah. And uh, so, like, yeah. 
I when I when they said that it blew my fucking mind. So it was like this performance that I thought sucked ass was actually so good. Intentional. So good. Incredibly good. And I'm like that like so just I'm like just that alone is an example of the detail and the depth of the mm-hmm. film without being convoluted. It's not Christopher Nolan, you know, webs weaving action and and not the, that's that's a bad comparison because it's a completely different genre. But you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can be complex without being convoluted. And uh, yeah. you can tell a simple narrative in a in a in a detail and in, in uh, weave webs uh, in that. Yeah, I mean every little different subtlety in a dialogue delivery or a character look or emotion or action can just you know create so many nuanced uh, threads in the background just to get you thinking about what is you know what it can do and then ultimately what ends up happening and you know it's just fucking it was wild the whole end of this movie was just wild because i didn't think i i thought that it was going one way with the boy and and uh yes. Benedict. and we haven't really talked about the boy well yes but, yes um, so, so like that I, I wanted to use this as an example of the like because the ending shit i didn't even get because i was so focused on this on what you thought the plot was Mm-hmm. The, this movie purposely makes you think things and then it reveals things subtly of what it actually is and if you don't if you aren't like in the movie so engaging you mm-hmm. you don't miss things but you could oh. yeah the the um because the whole movie you you think about it it's just like oh so this is just like a growing relationship between the boy and uh which i don't want to call him a boy he's college age so he's like a young man yeah uh and getting a cumberpatch and it almost feels you know like a little broke back by uh mountainy that's going to be like a relationship thing especially uh with with parts of the in the in the barn where he's finally finishing the rope it just feels like there's a lot of stuff heavily implied but i mean it's really just that kid fucking with benedict and it's yeah like, so i didn't get any of that I was really? so focused on this, this, the, the, uh, and like the storyline's been told before of like a, a homophobic gay man who's like puts on this tough persona and like, you know, has it lets down his barriers because he's mm. he meets another man he's attracted to and, um, and they bond, and like I, I was so interested to the love to the almost the forbidden love story, mm-hmm. uh, but that story's been told. And the, so the fact that they pulled that shit out from under you, and like I'm at the end, and he's got the gloves on holding the rope, and I'm like, what? Wait, why has he got the gloves on? Yeah, that I thought the same thing. I was like, he's totally wearing surgical gloves over his regular like cowboy gloves or whatever, and it was so weird looking, like the rubber latex ones from earlier, and I like didn't get it, and uh, uh, at first, and then it, uh, when he was doing the cigarette pass back and forth, and that just intense look um that the the kirsten dunn's son was i can't remember his name right now for some reason uh, oh, uh peter, peter is the, peter. Name of the character yeah yeah the peter was like given or it's just like it's just the intense music the slow cigarette drags back and forth and then it just hit me i was like oh my god he's gonna kill this man like and that's ultimately what happened but it's fucked like it's whole the whole thing is so wild because it just i for the, the most of it until that point was just like this you know it's a love story um, or you know, like maybe I didn't necessarily think Peter was gonna go with it, but like I thought that was gonna be the conflict was their relation, the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a toxic 
premise of, of a pretense of relationship with the the home of like the bullying earlier and uh, mm. the power the age gap. Um, yeah. And obviously he's referencing Bronco Henry and his you know former mentor was like 45 when he hooked when they were hooked up. You know. Yeah. Um. There's an element of grooming here. Um, mm-hmm. not, it's not just about them being gay. Oh, oh you're gay. I'm gay. Let's fuck. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm an older man and you're a younger, you know, you're not young. You're not a teenager, but you know, you are going to be, there's a power dynamic at play and he's mm-hmm. literally being groomed by Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and I think Benedict Cumberbatch underestimates just how smart and how cunning Peter's character is. Um, the, the big scene that I think about, um, and we haven't really talked about like we keep talking about moments in the movie um, and not the plot uh, sequentially. Um, and uh, I don't know if, it, if we were will um, because it's it's like the it's all these very the moments of this are just so interesting and I think you should really watch this yourself. And uh, like I'm not going out of my way to avoid spoilers or anything, but mm-hmm. um, you, I really think people should watch this movie. I think this is my favorite film of 2021. Um, it's like, wow. and that's I was like little work like that's why I felt weird about making a list because I know there's so many movies I wanted to see that I didn't see yet. This was mm-hmm. one. Licorice Pizza was one, which didn't. End, I don't know if it would even make my my list. Um, but uh, this I think might be my favorite movie that was released in 2021. Um, and just because of the, the the detail, the costuming, the sets. Mm-hmm. Um, the the score, which is done by Johnny Greenwood, who did his raid from Radiohead. He did fucking There Will Be Blood. He did Licorice Pizza's music. Yeah, record. wow, we keep ended up with him. Three in a row, three movies yeah. in a row. Um, and uh, this score is I keep I said out loud like four or five times. This score is a fucking amazing. It's perfect. Like the, it actually rem, it actually reminds me of a lot of There Will Be Blood and just the tension it keeps constantly in this movie. So um, that, that's what uh, we kept saying for that ending sequence when they're ha- like they're bonding, and as they are bonding, the music is so eerie and fucking mm-hmm. weird, and I'm just like waiting for a shoe to drop, and I didn't know where it was, and, and then it drops finally in a place I didn't expect, um, and it's just like why they're like this moment is nice and tender, like they're bonding. Mm-hmm. This should be positive music. And this is really dark. Something wrong is is at play. It feels wrong, and it's because he's literally plotting to murder him. I think that the education aspect is interesting because like Benedict Cumberbatch was educated and is trying to like enrich and, 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 and comes from money, and he's trying to like shed that and be mm. tough and like masculine, and it's like to uh, to be at odds with his homosexuality honestly we never full i don't think we uh, unless i miss something we never get full like confirmation that peter's even gay um no no it's just kind of like i think it is implied by the uh um the you know like slightly effeminate nature but i also thought that it could have went as in like he's a little i thought um, he was autistic loosely on yeah first. like loosely on the spectrum or something or yeah Asperger's because of the, or, the 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 comb and the hula hoop thing yeah and the, there co- was the like collecting multi- and yeah the collecting the scrapbooking but he's <clears throat> very educated he's very smart on science mm-hmm. um where where i think they mentioned <clears throat> that bennett cumberbatch's characters like when he was educated it was in like humanities like it was like social more social stuff mm-hmm. um 
Uh, yeah, this uh, just the I the like way it's also like the future, like the future past thing. Like Benedict Cumberbatch is stuck in the 19th century with mm-hmm. cowboy shit and all that, and the rough and tumble shit, and you know. Jesse Plemons and uh, is more mo- is like more modern. His brother, and then obviously he's killed literally by science um, in the yeah. end. Um, and I thought that was super interesting. And I don't think Ben and Coverage knew about anthrax, but um, mm-hmm. but he mentions just, it in the early in the film. He mentions one uh, one of the cattle dying from anthrax or in the beginning of the movie. Um, it's like he- a loose offhand sentence, like right in the beginning. But the not wearing uh, the gloves thing really establishes that he doesn't. Yeah. He didn't understand germ theory, or he doesn't understand, you know, like like don't fucking handle rotting meat while you're yeah. cut on your hand. It's um, like that. I've been doing this for the forty years, and I haven't died, so I'm not going to change yet. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And he was done. But in the end, he was done in by it. So I wanted to say about the grooming part of it. So I didn't pick up that aspect of it only because of. Um, because the way I looked at it was at the end, he's so desperate to get the boy the rope um, to, you know, and I feel like that comes. He from wants the, to be Bronco. Like a, he wants to. Yeah, be yeah, Bronco. yeah. He, yeah. And, um, and Bronco and, and seduced just, him under like survival pretenses. Like he doesn't yeah. understand that that's what happened because he now likes he likes it in memory. Mm-hmm. But. Like, I guess because of him liking a memory, I took that as like, okay, so this is his, he, he, his, he found a lover at that age. And now that that lover's gone and he's, this is like a, uh, acknowledging, oh, this is like my new He doesn't fully understand. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, or that. I mean, you go to the, the scene where he's like rubbing himself in the field with the cloth. He's fucking nuts. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah and Peter walks in on him nuts. wearing the bandana. And then from that, it changes. And it's like, uh. Cause he hates his gayness, but he's also yeah. uh, like, I'm gay. Like he knows he's gay, but hates it. Yeah. And like he, it's like this weird juxtaposition. Um, so, and like the groom, I don't know, like the grooming thing. He doesn't, I know Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't think he's doing anything wrong because that's what Bronco did to him. And he likes Bronco. Yeah. And, uh, but like the fact that he went from like bullying the fuck out of this kid to, um, like trying to fuck him. Is, and, and like the and like just the way he's doing it and like it wasn't gonna it wasn't forthright like it might have ended up like he's like one day why don't we go up in them fucking mountains and see what happens like yeah <laughs> you might know, find like, gold and, wink, yeah wink. It, yeah it, it um it doesn't sound like like there's this weird power dynamics at play um and I don't and risk can definitely explain that that sort of thing better than me. But uh, I, I understood it, and it felt weird, the age mm. gap. And he, even at the end, right before the, 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 the fucking murder happens, uh, Peter says something like, so how old was Bronco when uh, you went up in that mountains? <laughs> like, pretty much it, literally asking when you fucked Bronco, how old were you? And how old is yeah. he? Um, and that's it was how old was, was Benedict. And Benedict was like, oh, it was about your age at the time. And then he said Bronco uh, was like 45. The I didn't think he said Bronco's name. They just kept showing his his life and death thing on the on the. They, on I think the they did say because there was literally a line about because he says yeah it was about your age and then I thought he asked how old Bronco was and it was I thought it just up. kept cutting back to the the, the plaque. There was that yeah there was old. that and they said he died 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, 
and he was what fi- whatever he was 50 so he died five years after this their you know affair um and yeah so like early 20s and a guy put you know in his mid 40s mm-hmm. um and uh basically you know a kid and it's obviously like he doesn't know what he's doing out there he like he's a fish out of water um peter is and mm-hmm. is like being taught how to ride and how taught how to be tough and like you know we're i'll teach you how to not be gay um i'll teach you how to not be feminine i think that mm. is more what it is we can be gay and be tough um, yeah i don't Rough i don't there's like so much going on here that it, like there's a lot to fucking unpack uh with the character of phil the f- character of phil i think is incredibly fascinating Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, as much as I like went from hating the performance and just hating the character and just like learning like oh shit he's really good at banjo oh shit he's fucking uh gra- went to Yale graduated from Yale and was in a, a fraternity and you know fell in love with a cowboy and, and it changed his yeah whole and life. he's gay yeah like the whole obsession with Bronco was weird and just kept like this movie. It was so good about slowly revealing information mm-hmm. um, and the misdirections and the inform and like the slow reveal of information. It was like magician, like, you know, like I'm looking over here in the narrative, but actually I should have been looking over here. You know, does, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly what you mean. Um, Cause I mean, it, it throws you for like, other than the score, it for the most part throws you as a, like, this is going to be a kind of like, like, um, apprentice love story kind of thing but it's uh in reality it's just like a kind of psychological thriller especially when we haven't really talked about the kirsten dunn stuff a lot but her stuff is uh yes. which i at the time i'm just like man she's drunk all the time i was like she just hate whatever like i took me a meal it took me until the end of the film to really get why she was having so many problems because i didn't really i like put it all together I was like oh man this whole time like because when I put it together that he, the boy, is doing this to like get revenge for him fucking with the mom, uh, at the end was yeah. like, because the whole time I'm just saying like, man, he's not. It doesn't really seem like he's doing that much because they only show these little moments, but then they have the time skips in each chapter, and uh, and then you don't realize that like George is supposed to be gone for the whole summer. Well, they're not even just, they're not even big out. time skips. It's just like a couple of weeks or a yeah, month. yeah. And that's but at the same, yeah, because you don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like it, it, like I didn't real. They show her practicing only once, and then him getting the thing. But it, it didn't imply really that much to me that like that's keep that's what's been keeping her from practicing, so that she couldn't like perform or fucking with her head to not perform until towards like the end with the the sun and the menacing music, and I kind of put it all together. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like uh, not only does she have to live with Phil, who is tormenting her, like living with mm-hmm. her is torment, living with him is torment, but also Jesse Plemons is never there. Um, or like in and out randomly and the moments that she it, it like we had that uh, we didn't talk about the first act with the love story between Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst who are actually mm. partners in real life they just had children together I believe. wow I didn't know um, that Good yeah that, that added a dynamic to the film that was really cool because um, like the love sequence in the beginning where they go to have tea in the field and mm. and they're dancing and shit like the, it was a genuine love you know there and like yeah. Jesse Plemons cries and uh it was really sweet like it was a really sweet moment and mm. then like you think that she, he is good for her and even though Phil sucks that he's good for her and then they have the piano scene and it's like no Phil's either dumb 
or out of touch, like mm -hmm. in some way it, that he cannot he's understand. Very much like, he's very much like Sam Neill in the piano. We're just like not yeah, picking he's up not on, quite a, on a direct as impotent. He's not thing. quite as impotent because um, they have sex. It is established mm. that there's literally a scene where Phil yeah, they love each sex. other. Um, um, but with the piano specifically, it's just like, why aren't you picking up on this like direct fucking thing? Uh, yes, yeah. Like, why, why do you not understand that you are hurting her by making her do this? And like, whether it's for your own gain or to make yourself feel better, or like, even if you're too, you're not cultured enough to understand that her piano playing is just amateur. Um, it is not on the level to show the governor. Um, then you know, like, the, whatever. I don't know. It what was, if this we, it, was established at that moment though that he was like not per a perfect thing for her? What if this was intentional from the director to be like, mm, I'm done with the piano. This is we're done with it. It's over. No more. We're moving on. <laughs> Maybe because the the I think that I would say before this, she's made many other films, and I'm pretty sure that she's that there are she's other acclaimed ones, but uh, not to the level of the the piano. Um, yeah. So maybe you're, there is something there, like because this it movie, feel, yeah, it's so similar in the way when the piano is brought into the house and just like the die, uh, the uh, um, the uh, the interaction between both um, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst in this versus Holly Hunter and Sam Neill in, in the piano just feels so similar, but opposite. If that makes sense, like. Um, yeah, there is th there is themes between the two, absolutely. Besides just there being a piano in both movies. And the piano's not in the entire movie, but it's like, she's like, I don't want to play the piano. <laughs> that is a good point. Like She's like, I don't want to play the piano. Um, it's just like something I do for fun. Jeez. Th there's a lot of different themes. Uh, and that's, it goes back to like shit Riss says about how Jane Campion's works are like watching novels because of like yeah the there's like the the old and the new like I brought up that like we're we're in the roaring twenties but this place looks like it's hasn't changed since you know the eighteen sixties mm -hmm. <laughs> um and uh, and then yeah all the the homosexual themes and and the the just relationships in general with uh, mm -hmm. the Jesse Plemons Kirsten Dunst thing and the the son and and just, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say the word. This film perfect. Is, is perfect. Wow. Wow. Um, it is. I mean, it's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. I don't um, have any critique of it. And like the, the, and that's the thing. Like the fact that the critiques I thought I had are not critiques because I didn't, uh, like I, it, I didn't see something immediately. This is absolutely mm. a two watch film. I would say also. Yes, like, agree. I would love to see this again, knowing what I know now, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that will make me either like it, probably like it even more. Um, and with uh, and with this being two hours, which no normally would feel like a long movie, this is great. Oh, you're engaged span of, every minute. Yeah, I like every so <clears throat> everything about this movie is just like the te it's like there will be blood, except a half hour shorter, but it feels like perfect in the length because it's just so the music for me is what keeps me interested because it's so uh tense and you're just wondering why and you're trying to pick up on all these things like you were saying waiting for a shoe to drop and uh but you're just getting like breadcrumbed through it's this like, whole thing it's like a mystery yeah but i mean like you're trying to and you think you know where it's going and like um 
just an excellent story. She wrote, the, I think I might have already said this, but she wrote the screenplay too. It's based on a book called Power of the Dog from 1944 by Thomas Savage. Um, but, um, but yeah, she wrote the screenplay. She directed it. Um, I am now a great, great fan of, uh, of Jane Campion. Um, and I, I saw that we watched the piano first and I'm glad I did. Cause mm-hmm. I really think that I was already really interested in the piano. I didn't, I didn't know if I was throwing around the P word for it, but I always thought it was great. Um, and, uh, this was just like, well, if that's great, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and don't get me wrong. Everyone watched the piano. Cause these, I think these movies are really, um, <clears throat> they really deserve to be watched together. Mm-hmm. Um, to see the the, the growth because there is absolutely growth. Also, I wanted to say um, I watched this movie on my t- our TV, and this is one of the few movies with HDR, and mm-hmm. that I was like, oh wow, the coloring and the light, like I really see the darks, mm-hmm. and the, we don't even have a nice HDR TV, but I could actually notice it on mm-hmm. on this movie. The the all the shots of the mountains, and you're seeing like these deep shadows with these pockets of light, or or sunbeams coming through. Even yeah. in the dark scenes in the house with the candlelight, like I was noticing a lot of really cool um, nuance with the lights and darks. Yeah, I was gonna say HDR shit. All of the drone shots in this look like paint, motion paintings. Yes, they were so like crisp and vivid and painterly um i looked it up after i watched it just out of curiosity what this was shot on because it is so pristine uh, all this movie and it makes sense this is modern cameras i shot this on the alexa mini lf uh with modern panavision lenses uh so that's what this this is like as tact sharp and clean as you're gonna get on anything um and it just shows because of how much detail it maintains in all of the highlight and shadow when especially when you're watching something in hdr um i watched this in dolby vision and it was like i i still have my one little like uh dolby vision complaint of just like the bright scenes don't feel that bright because the highlights are pulled down too much but um that seems to be more of just something with dolby vision than yeah i didn't feel that but i also also i have like the bare (laughs) we have like the bare bones hdr um the but yeah, that's just a thing because Dolby Vision's mastered for four thousand nits, and most and regular HDR is mastered for one thousand, and one thousand is a lot easier to get to brightness wise. So if something is, if you're watching an HDR ten, more recently it's just been better looking than Dolby Vision because of the peak brightness. No, no TV can hit four thousand nits right now, and won't for a couple of years. Oh man, I wanted. To, I just thought about the. I'm just. I pulled up a picture of. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch holding the paper flowers in the first, the, the one of the first scenes of the movie, and he mm. fucking fingers it. Yeah, and he, and he fingers the yeah. flower. It's really fucking weird. It's, they show, they hold on it for a bit too. Yes, like, and then he lights it on fire. Like, is that obviously supposed to be a representation of the of a vagina? And like, he's like, I, he I don't know. It? Yeah, I thought uh, it was just like uh, because he fingers it like a vagina. I mean, yeah, yeah, a butthole, yeah. But I thinking it, it, the flower usually is more associated with the vagina yeah um he no, it I, I mean i believe it then he lights it on fire um just the amount of symbolism in these uh, that are this more obvious in these movies i would not doubt it the the way mm. that she does the that shit um but also a sign i love you know sign your own yeah. stuff is plenty fun as well um all right is there anything you else you want to bring up about power of the dog um 
No, it's just beautiful. I mean, we didn't talk a lot about the cinematography till the end there, but it is so pretty. I mean, it it's is technically so, fantastic. Yeah, it is. The lighting is just perfect on everything. Everything feels. Uh, I love that it's one of those movies where it's just one set, one location, uh, and it's just empty. It's kind of like Lamb in the sense where it's one house in the middle of nowhere, just surrounded by mountains, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, the uh, the cinematographer is Ari Wagner. Uh, for, she is from Australia. She did was a cinematographer for Zola interesting interesting and this is the exact a, a movie with texture and grunge and and shot on film you know look at the two versions of shooting something old and old lenses and vintage versus what the brand new of technology is doing and it's quite the contrast because um, these feel like they're made shot by two completely different dps and they are uh which is a testament to how good she is yeah uh, yeah honestly this is uh this is great this is a great thing, um, and uh, I think everyone should watch it. Um, I think even think people that aren't into like two-hour dramas, I think you'll they'll like this too. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be nominated for uh, best picture? This is Oscar that good, bait. Fuck Belfast. No, I mean I like Belfast, but this yeah. is my pick. This for is better Oscar. than Belfast for sure. Yeah, this is my pick for Oscar um, right now. Um, but what are you yeah. giving it? Unless you got something else I, you want to say. I mean, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Be only because the movies that I gave fives, I, did, I, I didn't have that like crazy emotional connection. Like a moving feeling that I got with the other fives. But this is damn close to a five. Oh, this it's is, so good. This is a five for me. Um, I almost cried with the uh, emotional moment with the whip. Uh, when he's like, like that fucking... I sold all the hots. What are we gonna do? And uh, yeah. he's like, "Oh, I have some raw hide, and we, we can use that." And, and he's like, "You do? Oh, thank you." And we, we like, can finish your rope. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. This is so sweet." And it's all a fucking lie, dude. Yep. <laughs> I felt just as <laughs> I felt betrayed in that moment. And like, and, uh, and Peter's justified, but god damn, I was betrayed. I yeah. felt some shit in that moment. And even afterwards, I was in denial. Riss was like, Peter murdered him. And I'm like, no, no, he didn't. Joe testify. She will testify. All yeah, right. it's pretty wild. Oh, man. Oh, that's, so yeah, that's, that scene does make it is what the, the, the selling nail on the head for that it's a relationship thing. And uh, I couldn't see past I, it. I was yeah. so fixated that I couldn't see past it. Oh, it man. So good. That movie, it took me for a fucking ride. Psychological drama western is what it says at the top of the Wikipedia. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what I would call that. What a genre combo. Yeah, that's a, yeah let's start a psych, psych drama western wave. Um, speaking of weird period dramas, I think we're ready to move on. To the, to the piano. piano. The Piano, 1993, directed by Jane Campion, written by Jane Campion, starring Holly Hunter, Harvey Keitel, Sam Neill, Anna Paquin, which I couldn't believe that that little girl was Anna Paquin. Yeah. Um, that's Rogue as a little girl. Yeah, I was. Oh, that's what I knew her from. The True whole Blood. time I kept thinking, why do I know this name? Why do I know this little girl? She looks so familiar. True Blood and Rogue. Uh, 
Rose. Man, God this damn. might be my favorite Anna Paquin performance. Uh, she <laughs> is hilarious. She's so funny mm. in this movie. Um, but yes, uh, this is fucking wild. This is, I would say this is a romance movie, but this is a unorthodox romance movie, would you say? Yeah. Um, yeah, and unlike Power of the Dog, where it's Kirsten Dunst and two guys, one of which she hates, and this one, it's flipped. The guy she hates is her husband, but the guy she loves is the friend, the, the third man, or the second man. And it's so weird how this whole thing goes. My biggest thing on this movie that I thought that took me like, like in a weird feeling about the movie was that like, it'll go from these like very serious, um, like strings, uh, orchestra. And then she'll look out the window and it'll hard cut to just like this, like bright piano music. And while Holly Hunter just glares out the window and it's just so weird and jarring. Yeah. The, the bright piano music over like almost rape scenes. Uh, yeah, was fucking like I was like, what is happening? Why is this music so bright? And honestly, it's the reverse of how I felt about the dark music in mm. uh, what I thought were bright scenes in Power of the Dog. Relatively bright. Yeah. Um, but um, but the, this is like I like this is dark. Why is this piano so bright? But it's because um, the piano is her voice. Mm. So she's you know she's screaming you know it's not gonna be harsh because it, her it, she's beautiful her voice yeah. is beautiful the piano is a metaphor for not only her voice but i think it's also a metaphor for her pussy uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm just calling a spade a spade here um yeah there's a lot of people like touching the piano and sexual well the two people touching the piano yeah. in sexual ways harvey Keitel is one of them he's alone with the piano and when she's not there he's just like damn i could fuck that yeah right walking around <laughs> naked slapping his dick on the keys um so weird oh my god so speaking movie- of dick yeah, right, yeah. Go, go ahead. Give okay, it a little well, brief. I'm gonna give me a little more, a little more synopsis. And yeah, I want to hear your thoughts about all this. <laughs> um, so the movie takes place in New Zealand while it's still being colonized. Um, this is actually I thought was an interesting perspective. Jane Campion mm-hmm. is uh, is a Kiwi. Uh, she's from New Zealand. Oh. Um, and uh, I, I thought the perspective was interesting uh, versus you know colonizers of North America or South America or whatever. Um. Of, of colonists of those places because there is a different relationship that the maori people have with um the colonists and to this day you know like the, mm. their cultures are very much more intertwined today in new zealand than you know native americans in with america or canada or, or whatever mm. um and i think it's super interesting and obviously you're still seeing very much very uh, a lot of aspects of shitty colonizers sam neil is the biggest shitty colonizer he's like yeah i'll take 100 acres of land uh here's a bag of buttons <laughs> i was like what? what an asshole what an asshole and you had that moment also with the native americans and power of the dog when mm. they're like uh it was like a reverse moment because they gave she gave them all them hides and they just gave her a pair of gloves back mm. and it was uh i thought that was kind of cool but um but Harvey Keitel is kind of like the he's like the go between like he's like the, the he's the Duncan Idaho. I said it out loud. Yeah, yeah. So Harvey Keitel is the Duncan Idaho of this movie, where he is the member of the you know the colonists, 
but he has he's the, like the envoy to the natives, and he then assimilates translator. With them. He, yeah, he translates, but he, he's assimilated with them culturally. So he's kind of this, you know, a cultural hybrid between the two peoples, and he kind of brings them together. And so he's like the guide and, and the translator and all that. But he very much yeah. he has tattoos on his face. Um, he spends most of his time with Maori people outside of his job. Um, but so he meets Holly Hunter, uh, her character by, um, you know, he guides people to carry her shit back to Sam Neill's place. Uh, so she, I don't think we mentioned this, she's a mail order bride, uh, essentially bought and purchased um, from, I don't know, oh, I don't know if it was from her father or from... Yeah, so she says in the opening uh, thing when she has, like, the kid's voice saying, this is not my real voice story, she said that her dad arranged a marriage for her and shipping her off to New Zealand um, with her piano and stuff. Uh, so I didn't know it was like a. Uh, I just thought it was like an arranged marriage where like the father got paid. It's it essentially like a, like yeah, a, man, like like he, they it was done over letters. Yeah, Sam, yeah. Like the, Sam Neil, essentially mail order. Um, yeah, and I think money was involved. Um, and uh, so she's you know not happy, and Sam Neil is uh, at first he's not obviously an, an asshole, but he's definitely mm-hmm. very uh, anxious um, and. Uh, uh, unsure of himself uh, and he's not confident at all and um and she, whatever and she's not really doesn't really give a shit about harvey Keitel until harvey Keitel by is the one you know she realized that she needs him to get the piano back mm-hmm. like can you will you please help me bring the piano back to sam neil's place so i can you know have my fucking piano this is my most imp- other than my child it's probably the most important thing to me in the world and arguably, maybe more than her child, the way that she lets Adam Packman run fucking wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so they brand, so he you know brings it back, and uh, but now he's like, I'm gonna buy it. So it's at his house, and then so this is the main premise of the movie is that to get he's like, oh, you can have the piano back, um, you know, but you have to give me lessons. And it starts out as lessons, but then he's like, oh, I don't actually want to learn. I just want to watch you play. And then it becomes, I don't want to just watch you play. I want to, like, look at you, really look at you, creepy look at you. Then it's like, I want to touch you. And then she's like, oh, three keys to do this. They start bargaining with how many yeah. keys of the piano it is. The, even, the first time when he has the conversation of he doesn't want to learn, he straight up says to her, the line is, and I wrote it down, um, I just want to do things while you play, and I immediately was just like, "Does he just want to jerk off while she plays?" And lo and behold, he just jerks off while she plays. Like, yeah, it's literally what it becomes. Like, he is a creep. Um, but <clears throat> she, there's like this weird like, it's like prostitution, and he mentions that there's a line like, "This shit is making you a whore and me wretched for like mm-hmm. making you do it." Um. And, uh, but there's like this, there's this love between, there is a, the, this relate, like feelings for each other that develop and, and like, he's very aggressive and he's very much the opposite. He's very much the opposite of Sam Neill. He's rough. He's, you know, he's got tattoos on his face. He's ripped. Uh, he, um, but he's very, he's very aggressive and he's, he's, you know, he's doesn't have money. He's poor. Um, 
And, but apparently uh, has a huge dick because there's a scene in this movie where all the natives are talking to him and fucking with him about having the biggest like, dick in the yeah, tribe. Yeah, they're just like, why don't you use that thing? It's such a waste that all you do is lay, lay, sleep on it or something. Yeah. Um, and it was, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Everyone's talking about this man's dick. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> so he's like really he's the sexual being, and mm. and uh, Sam Neill's character is very pla- uh, flaccid and impotent. Mm. That is definitely the way I describe him. He's a coward. Um, he is a cuck. I would oh whole like, wholehearted. Yeah, like and I hate he that word. He stayed and watched the whole scene. I hate that word because um, like the way it gets got used in the 4chan world. But he is in the classical sense, um, you know, getting cucked uh, by <laughs> by uh, Harvey Keitel. And, oh man. And uh, he kind of like I wondered if he was gonna jack and watch like straight yeah, up I, I, when the dog started licking his hand i oh, was like what no. the fuck he's gonna start I was, jerking it. i was like no don't you do that he's gonna put peanut butter on his balls don't you do that and then he like but then he like tries to get better angles and shit um this the nudity between not just harvey Keitel. we do see harvey Keitel's full full length and yeah at um, one point he literally she's just like he's like i take your jacket off so i want to see your arms while you play and then while she's playing with her like with her exposed arms, he gets naked behind a curtain, and then he just rips it open, butt ass naked. She and turns like, around, walks and just like, toward him, walks toward. Yeah, him. and she's just like, "What the fuck?" And I feel like in any other world, it should have been like, "Get out!" This is like, very like assault. Like this is not great, but it's just like what? I was just I took it as she just wants that piano so much, she's willing to do whatever. That's until. It, I don't, that's why I think it feels like cabin fever. Like, so it's like it's like uh, well yeah, they're a little bit of Stockholm, but uh, I think it starts as the piano. That's the whole point of the story. Is it starts as about being about the piano, and then she does fall in love with him, um, and uh, so that she doesn't stop those things because he straight up bargains. Like you know, he doesn't like hold her down and rape her. He's like um, you know. I'm gonna get naked in front of. Him. He does uncomfortable things that are definitely for today yeah. bad. Wrong. He sticks his head up on her dress and just starts rubbing it against the hole in her. But sock. she like, like you know, give me a couple keys and fine. If it gets yeah. me the piano faster, fine. And then she's like, it just it it. There's this this slow transition from that to, um, that to I actually want this, mm. sexually and romantically. Um, this is like a romance novel, but it's a weird one. That's what this movie like. I picture romance novels to be kind of like this, but not as like not as interesting of a story and mm. and uh, like well written and and like the like the metaphor and shit. Um, that's probably why Riss likes it so much. Um, but um, you, know who, you know who I feel bad for the most in this movie yeah. is Anna Paquin. Because um, you start out, you know, she doesn't have a dad, and then they're going on the way to the trip. She's like, I'm not going to call him Papa. I don't care what anyone says. And then by the end of the movie, she's calling him Papa, which and means I'm guessing that he's a good dad to her. And I then, don't know, like, yeah. Everything seems fine. I honestly was like, felt bad for Sam Neill until he cut her fingers off. And I was like, oh, you're just fucking nuts. Like, you just can't, you can't handle that. Uh, you can't handle this. That's, yeah, exactly. That Sam Neill sucks. Well, like I think Sam, you're supposed to think Sam Neill sucks by the way he treats the hmm. native. Yeah, uh, like he swindles the natives out of land. Um, oh, Sam Neill is just so dumb. Read the room about the piano the entire time. She's literally like, "Don't take anything else but the piano, and I'll be cool." And he's just like, "What? 
what what yeah Great. that's exactly yeah that's exactly the his issue is he's he he still is trying to be like i you know i bought you i get to say what goes and mm. like not actually treating her like a person and he's more like prop she was more like property um, yeah whereas you know uh Harvey Keitel is like worshiping every inch of her, you know, and like her mm. skills with the piano, but also her beauty. Um, I wanted to bring up, uh, oh, I don't remember, freaking remember now. Um, oh, with the metal finger at the end, she gets a metal finger, and uh, there's like this extended ending with the, like they're taking her to wherever they're going, and um, I think they say, I forget, I think they're going to another part of New Zealand, maybe. And uh, I thought they were going back to the UK. No, no, I'm I'm I have the wiki up. I guess they went to another part of New Zealand to Nelson. There's there's a city that they're getting shit from. They weren't in a big city, you know. They were just in like a Mm. um, like a it was more sparse out where they were at, more land. Um, and they moved into the city into Nelson, and she um she loses her finger, and on the way there they're transporting the piano and she's like just throw it overboard and then like it's like she purposely tries to kill herself right mm. she she it, the shot with her sticking her foot in the rope was supposed to be like she did this on purpose um so just like die with the piano like yeah her life wasn't worth living without the piano and then i mm. think she realized it was and then kicks the shoe off and then you know then they happily ever after after that yeah, I, especially because at that point, like the piano, all, all this fuss and ruckus and everything over this piano, um, so yeah, it, was, it almost seems like it's like um, nothing but bad things have been coming since I brought the piano here. I should just leave it here. With yeah, all the rest of yeah. That memories. That is what what it starts with, and then it's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. And then she thinks about the piano. Um, yeah, the. I think this this was a really good forbidden love story. This was a better forbidden love story than Licorice Pizza. Um, yes. Like, yes. like the, they're not one to ones because that's a you know there's comedy and other well, a lot of other shit going on in Licorice Pizza, but the core story of the forbidden love, um, I think this is done really well. It's really interesting, um, and like this type of movie um, at surface level is not one that I would want to watch. Uh, if you like, oh you. Like, I would not pick this to watch on Netflix on my own. Mm. I knew about this movie being good, so I wanted to watch it. But if it's, just, like, just seeing the poster and knowing that it's yeah, a, rom- yeah. a romance-related thing. Uh, but, like, seeing it, this is, like, a cr- you know, very, very good story and um, good script. I think it was shot really well also. I mean, you definitely see the difference between that and today. Unfortunately, we had to watch it on uh, – it. this movie was on Netflix literally just a week or two ago. That's why I was like, oh, let's do this because Power of the Dog mm. and Piano are both on Netflix. It'll be easy. And we had to watch it on Vudu, and it was like seven. It wasn't even in 1080, I don't think. And if it was, uh, it was not upscaled well. Yeah, I think it is. Vudu's HDX is 1080p, but the uh, uh, it's, it all depends on how well of a master they get of the original film copy. Yeah, it doesn't um, look like a good, like this, a good one. This movie, for being shot in 93, looks like it was shot in the mid 80s. Uh, camera like like film quality wise uh obviously the sets are a little more modern I, but it was it, a very low budget, budget was, film, yeah but to say the budget's only seven million which for the time that's probably like 10 million or not 10 probably like 15 million now which is still pretty small um for a movie like this um i how did you i didn't realize that like new zealand and all that was so like marshy and muddy and 
So that's stuff. in New Zealand. I've, we I've learned a lot about in the last few years. We watch a few movies in New Zealand. A boy we watched mm-hmm. um, together, and then me and Riss watch Whale Rider, uh, which is actually a really good movie about um, uh, Maori people in New Zealand. Um, and so then we just started learning about the culture and the history. And did you like? Did you know that New Zealand was the last place that um, megafauna existed? Like gigantic birds and mammals like like dinosaur sized shit oh i didn't know that yeah like it was in it well they were hunted into extinction by the maoris but it wasn't until like 16 or 7 like the 1700s wow um, so uh it's like a like a it's like a land of the lost kind of like it's a, a pre, like a prehistoric land kind of preserved and mm. there is apparently tons of different like biomes on this fucking one island i mean it's in it's big for an island but small for a country mm-hmm. um like there is, is a, like there's jungle it, areas there are swampy areas there are like there are mountains and grasslands uh hunt for the wilder people is another movie with sam neill that's in new zealand um the taika watiti did um mm-hmm. and you, you see like the for- there's like shit that looks like forests that look like from north america almost and then you go to shit and it looks like jungles like a tropical looking thing really like that's yeah wild. it's super it, it's a i really would honestly like to go there someday because it seems like the the culture the people mm. um there's a lot of history there and uh, uh it's just like an untouched place um yeah evan went there for his honeymoon um however like what eight eight years ago or so and he uh he said it's it's his favorite country and he's never been to anywhere better um it's just it, so nice the people are so nice everything's beautiful yeah. there's so much to do and Lord of the Rings. Dude, that's uh, why I was going to say that. That's why Lord of the Rings is shot there. That's why a lot of movies get shot in New Zealand um, with big, you know, grasscapes, forestscapes. Um, you can mm-hmm. access a lot of different biomes. Like, ter- you can terrain in one place in a short, you know, drive versus yeah. go- flying all over the world um, to different locations. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was my little. I don't know everything about New Zealand. I'm probably maybe <laughs> fucked something up, but I, that is what I have learned in the last few years. Um, but yeah, the piano, it's great. The, the, this movie definitely tries to make Harvey Keitel sexy, um, and I don't know how much you've seen a, a movie, how many Harvey Keitel movies you've seen. Do you know that he's the dad in Little Nicky? The say he's Satan in Little Nicky. Really. Yeah. What? I did not know that. It, yeah. I, He's older, obviously. Wow. That's like ten. Yeah, years yeah, later. yeah. Um, Interesting. Wow. The uh, yeah, I don't find him attractive in this movie, and I don't understand the like. Cause he's like old man ripped, so he's got like the like the heart is rock. Oh yeah, he's like thick stomach. He's like, like in his fifties here, <clears throat> and Holly Hunter's like yeah. my, is like my age in this movie. There's like a twenty yeah. year gap between them. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's very like. He just pretty when, when it, I can't like when he's walking around the piano and I'm just like, man, this this is what she's this is what she's going for. Yeah, old, man is wild looking. Old man ripped. Um, yeah, he he's in a lot of early Scorsese movies. Um, he's mm. got a gr- long great career. He's a great actor. Um, but that's what uh in his the early days I think about is uh there's a lot of he's in a lot of Scorsese flicks. Um, oh, he's the Wolf in Pulp Fiction. Oh, like, like the guy. Yeah. That cleans yeah. Up. Yeah. He's the wolf. Wow. Wow. I got to look into this guy. He's a very good he's actor. He's a bunch of things I've seen. Yes. He's a very good actor. Um, He's getting old now, though. That's right. Uh, oh, he's still alive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
He Harvey can tell is he's probably... 82. Holy shit. He's oh, really wow. Old. Yeah. Looking at it because he looks so much. His face looks so much bigger. Oh, yeah. He's in the Irish in movie. But in, in looking at his picture now and he's like normal size looking like he looks so like thick and rocky. And he's a short. He's very short in this movie. Holly this Hunter movie. is incredibly tiny and he is short for a very short for a guy. I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> um, wow. Wow, he's married to... Oh, he was married to... Okay, sorry. I'm going down a Harvey Keitel wiki hole. Apparently, he's in the Grand Budapest Hotel as well. And uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. I do remember that one. All right. So, the piano. Is there anything else we want to talk about it? Um, I feel like that it's easy to sum up what it's about, but just, like, it's weird. And, and, like, the score, the way it's shot, like... There's a lot of th- interesting unorthodox things here that make it special. Um, yeah. Do you think Anna Paquin made the right decision by going to Sam Neill about the piano key at the end? Or no, do you she think- fucked up. She fucked up. Yeah, okay. She <laughs> fucked up. We, uh, that's, we screamed at the TV, no. No, no, no. That's what I was like. Anna Paquin was on Sam Neill's side the whole movie. That's why I was like. He must be a good dad because the, the daughter likes him Well, so I think it's because she's um, like, because the mom has like left her alone for so long. So she's had yeah. time to, to bond with Sam Neill while she is fucking Harvey Keitel. You know? Oh, man. Oh, that just reminded me of the scene where Anna Paquin is teaching all the other Maori kids to hump trees after she watched her mom and Harvey Keitel yeah. uh, get it on. That's weird as fuck. Yep. Uh, so there's so much weird things in this movie. It's just you gotta see it to believe it. <laughs> yes, it's good. It's funny. Yeah, I got laughed many times. Um, mostly because <laughs> of Anna Paquin. Um, but yeah, the yeah, I loved the the play at the thing because I was wondering the the whole time what was like the purpose of it, but I think it was just to, like set up to have uh, Anna Paquin wearing the angel wings to run to Sam Neill at the end. But I just felt like that was. The because she just feels like she's doing the right thing and going to her dad or whatever, but it it just sets off this not holy event at all because downpour and axes and blood and it's it's so weird, so weird, but so good at the same time. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, like it's not as good as Power of the Dog in my opinion. Um, Mm. but but boy, I thought it was very very good. Yeah, I thought moments of this were. I thought moments were jarring a little bit with some of like the music uh, cuts and uh, stuff like that. But overall, I think it makes it, sense. Like the music stuff makes sense uh, <clears throat> when like with the themes and things. Um, but it was jarring. That's what makes it interesting is the mm. those jarring, I think, um, tones. Did you feel like this movie was long and all at two hours compared? Because no. they're both two hours. No, um, I didn't think either of I, these movies were too were long at all. Yeah, I I thought Power of the Dog was paced very well. I thought this one just a hair, a hair. I started dragging the uh, in the middle, but yeah, I, overall, I, though, I was I was pretty. I didn't think it dra- not either of these dragged, and I was like prepared <clears throat> to like. I'm always prepared to like look at my to like look at my phone or like if I'm really not going to be into something, and then I always mm-hmm. can't look away from the TV. But I didn't. I couldn't do that for either of these movies. Like I was fully engaged to the movie i didn't want to miss things mm. and riss like i said gave both these a five she was as engaged as you could be she was so when i told her that we weren't going to the theater and that we were doing these she was like oh yay she's so <laughs> excited so she's seen the piano before like i said so she knew what mm. she was getting into 
Um, it's been cool kind of watching movies based on the filmmaker more than the film. Because um, mm-hmm. then it makes you try films. No, no, that's what this whole thing's about, this podcast. But that was we we were doing this before, and I was doing this before. Um, but it really makes you try movies you wouldn't have tried otherwise. And then mm-hmm. you find out, like, holy shit, this movie is great, and I would have never have known about it if I didn't randomly make myself try. Mm-hmm. It's um, also just seeing, like, because it, it's it's we're at a point where so many things have been done before. But even when watching the old old older stuff, like the piano, which I know is not that old, but um and watching them develop and seeing how they're taking similar things and and doing new things with them Uh, it proves to you that there is something i think that always like there's nothing new like i I agree with both sides of it like i'm Mm -hmm. never somebody that's like there are no new ideas left i think that's horseshit um but i also think that you know sometimes it's just a reconfiguration of of prior techniques or it's using something old mm. with something new or it's or, or like a genres together that usually didn't go together and finding a way to make it cohesive or mm-hmm. it's always like and like there are people that just come up with spontaneously great ideas to this day um and just technology and the times are always going to breed innovation especially with how like easy it is to get a camera and make something now and yeah, more people and able to make a movie yeah that's mm. the other thing that, that helped i think that's what was a big part of music in the <laughs> 2010s yeah um more saturation but more like more standout at the same time yeah it's harder it's more shit to sift through but you have more people at, with access so you're gonna see there's gonna be more interesting things even made mm. um but uh but yeah what what are you giving the motherfucking piano I think I'm going to give the piano a four. I'm giving the piano a really, four also. I liked it a lot, but it's, uh, I still think the, a lot of the extreme coming on to stuff in the lessons is, is wouldn't fly as well today. I think, or it just doesn't it's, sit well with me. It's, it's like just a licorice but, pizza or like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, like is, uh, you know, that's your, I don't think that you're supposed to, uh, I buy the love story though in this. I didn't yeah. buy the love story in that. And honestly, I wanted to say this because, and I'm gonna, and the, now that we're at the end of the episode, I think it's okay to bring up a prior episode. But I read that that there is people. I don't even know if this is PTA's thing. I didn't read that deep, but I heard people saying that you're supposed to walk away from licorice pizza thinking that they love each other, but it's a, it's still as this deep friendship and they aren't, you're supposed to think that they're going to be lifelong friends and they're not going to end up together. They kiss and tell each other that they love each other. I, so yeah. Much. That's what I said too. Or that's what, what I fuck? thought too. But, um, <laughs> but if that's true, I could, that I can stomach the ending better. Like then yeah. it's more nuanced than I thought, but I don't know if that's just people adding. Sometimes people add nuance when there is none. And yeah. I don't like that. Um, I like to, yeah, it, I like it to it, be if, for real. If it came from the creator's mouth and like, it is what it is definitively. Sure. I w- yeah. You know? But if people are just saying that, I don't know. Um, like, if I agree, but, uh, but Hey, 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 I gave right. this a four also. Um, I, uh, uh, I don't know. It could, it's great for sure. I don't even know what I would say about it. Honestly, I think it's just mainly because, this type of movie usually isn't the kind of movie that I gravitate towards. And maybe mm. if it was, I would have like the risk it is. So she gave it a five. Mm. Um, like it is great. And I could see someone thinking it's a five. 
but uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't have like a huge emotional impact from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, I, yeah, yeah, the love, of, the love side of it though, the romance of it, I could see having resonating with somebody. Uh, yeah, deeply. But all right, that's Jane it. That's Jane, motherfucking Campion, uh, Jane, MF, and Campion. Uh, my pick for Oscars. So for so right now, I mean, I haven't seen everything, but for what I have. Definitely better than Belfast. Definitely better than Belfast. I Belfast like Belfast a lot. Yeah, Belfast was good. I so, was... What, I so if you and this is such an arbitrary comparison and it means nothing, but what do you like better, Belfast or the piano? <laughs> I don't. Know. I had more fun with Belfast, so I kind of like want to leave more that fun. way. I, I like think the... I had more fun with the piano. I like the characters more in Belfast, like the, the all the different I mean, I like people the in the town character yeah. stuff. That that was, uh, you know, it's cute. I love the grandpa and the son uh, and the grandson. I really, I really together. don't like. I did really didn't like how they did the ending stuff in Belfast. Belfast is good, but I think that it's it could maybe if we if I had to review it again, I might have gave mm-hmm. it might even give it a three and a half now. I think I like the, I think why I like I think I like Belfast more it's just I like the characters more in Belfast whereas this whereas I like what they're doing from like storytelling and 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 uh like score and thematically and There's no edge piano. to Belfast. I think that's yeah. why it's I just don't fun, like It's fun and I like the characters. Belfast has no edge. Zero edge. It has it's it talks about a, a dark shit like with the subject matter with the troubles and whatnot mm. but uh but but it doesn't like the edge is just sanded off for me. And I think that's the problem. The piano has the fucking edge. (laughs) Weird edge. Um, but all right. All right. Um, so I wanted to, we're, we're not doing terrible time. Is there, is there anything briefly you want to, uh, mention that you're, that you're watching or doing or working on or, uh, working on right now. I'm uh, oh I'm going to Florida uh, on uh, Wednesday for work. I'm I'm ga- what am I doing? I'm assistant camera and B cam operator on uh, just some talking head stuff, some corporate stuff down there. But it's a week long trip, so I am trying like hell to not get the cron. But I feel I, like it's going to be inevitable. Yeah, yeah, it's probably going to be inevitable. Um, I am i just about to finish. I beat SMT five last night and we got one of the endings, but it's not the Ooh. best ending. So I got to play a little more, uh, Shimagami mm. Tensei five for, for those not in the know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we were, we're watching the righteous gemstones on HBO right now. It is really mm. funny. Um, and we are almost finished watching peep show in the thick of it. Classic British comedy shows on Hulu. Nice. The, um, oh, we we finished Doc the Doc Antle Tiger King documentary last night. Oh god, it's only like it's only like three episodes, but man, that, that dude was is fucking nuts and a huge pedophile. Yeah, I knew that those extra ones were probably cash grab mostly, but I was interested in knowing what the, happens to that. The episode. Doc Antle one is only three episodes, and it's better than Tiger King season two. I think. Tiger King season uh, two was definitely just fluff. Yes, um, agreed. The but you give it; it's only three episodes. You'll like it's it's wild shit. I watch dude's life is wild. Uh, just on the subject of docs, I watched uh, the Woodstock '99 documentary. Oh, Kylie and I saw that last year. That's really um, good. I watched that the other day. So the guy, the one of the the guy who started the first Woodstock, Michael Lang, he, he's the long haired dude in 
yeah the beginnings of them that doc he just died over the weekend um, oh, wow. i thought was funny well, not funny but wow <laughs> so just watched it um but that was wild so it's interesting that woodstock 94 was a huge success and woodstock 99 was a clusterfuck of straight white male aggression yeah um that's what i got out of it like in like i couldn't get over it like the people shot show us your tits at every woman mm. and like like just like the sexual assaults happening in broad daylight and um and it's just all white people in the crowd like as far yeah. as yeah, I could see and uh it was got a, the off the offspring telling people not to grope people yeah stop raping right. <laughs> um and just like the the destruction and the mm. and how like the the people that put it together it was like firefest before firefest like there was mm. no you know the bathroom situation's terrible in the showers and all that i don't know it's a, I watch it. It's a clusterfuck, and it was a fascinating to watch because we were alive during it, and mm-hmm. uh, it was super. Like we were connected to the culture of the music and the and of the time. Like we were into Limp Bizkit a little bit and Corn and, and, and DMX and things. And uh, but seeing it from people in their primes and like just fucking like it was violent and and aggressive and. Uh, and whatnot it was masculine shit just turned up unchecked and think about like wwf attitude era yeah and, yeah like, yeah so much like show us your tits was just like a thing that they shouted at wrestling all the time and and just sex was everywhere and women were objects i feel like that we are just now getting past like the full deconstruction of the that era yeah the 90s were like the ex- everything was the extreme yeah, but that was the extreme era, though. Everything Late 90s is in- when it got dark, though. That's when it got, like, it wasn't just extreme. It was aggressive. It was violence. It was break stuff. Mm. It was... Yeah, you know, yeah. Anger and angst and everything. Yeah, uh, and then, well, I think someone in that... Do- I and mean, this is the last thing I'm going to say about the documentary. I'm sorry. I just really wanted to talk about it. Um, <laughs> somebody was like... Um, I think Jewel said this, the singer-songwriter. She was like, it was just a bunch of you know, straight white men, the typical thing, but she was like... You know, they, this was a time where they had nothing to be angry about upper middle class. You know, they, yeah. there was nothing going on to be, the economy was thriving. There was no war. Like there was nothing to be upset about. They had nothing to rage about, but they just raged anyways. Yeah. I, it's like, I guess you it's have there's nothing else to, uh, to channel just, just it. Just to do so it. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just to do it. Your own, like the own issues with your, like, you know, just like the issues with, masculine you know masculinity and and whatnot um Mm. not that it's bad as a whole but this is when it's unfettered (laughs) uh you know all right that was it uh thank y'all for listening to best boys and we will be back next week make sure you follow subscribe on all the things um facebook is where i make a lot of our update posts um but we are um the podcast is on youtube the video podcast and then everywhere that you can listen to um you can find it as well uh, you can follow yeah. me and slob thomas and you can follow him at Corey with a story uh, with I a k that, that is screen i pointed at the screen because like your head is on one of my screens and i point at you like you're in the room if it's like they don't know. i can't even see you they so don't know what i'm so actually on the uh, obs i'm pointing away from the screen so it's not towards you so if i really wanted to point at you i'd have to do it like this so all right <laughs> see y'all next week um i think we haven't decided what we're watching yet oh, yeah, uh, i don't think we have uh it's not on the calendar no, think. we're out. We're past. We're in the. Wow. We're in the the wild west now. Holy shit! 
I don't What do we do? Where do we go? Let's see if Red Rocket's on, if Red Rocket's on streaming. I think we should do uh, Florida Project and Red Rocket. Pre-order movie, no. Um, and then tra- uh, Tragedy Macbeth is not on streaming yet either. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. I won't, don't want to make these people. So look for the posts. Look for the bat signal. Um, we will be back next week. Um, if all else fails, we'll just do Taxi Driver or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good backup. But uh, yeah. see you all next week. Have a good one. And bye. Later.